and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to A Quarter Three Strands. Um, this is Ron Young. Uh, Allison is not with me today, and I don't think she's going to be with the Easter podcast uh, either. So, um, and just so you know, um, you know, this isn't really our job. It is, a, <laughs> it is something we do for the Palatine Institute, Allison and I, and um, life gets busy. And uh, you might notice that uh, we've been a little sporadic with our episodes of late, and that's primarily scheduling. It takes uh, three of us uh, really to be on our game, um, Allison, myself, and Noah Tetzner, who's our uh, wonderful media director with the Palatine Institute. Um, and, uh, you know, we have uh, things that uh, make it difficult sometimes for Allison and I to be able to record together or for Noah to be able to get the things edited and out, and it just is what it is. But um, I'm grateful to uh, at least be with you guys for a couple episodes. Um, Today, we are talking about Lent. And um, you, uh, you recall from the episode on Epiphany that Epiphany, the last Sunday in Epiphany is uh, traditionally since the Reformation, uh, the Transfiguration. And so the interesting transition then with the Transfiguration during Epiphany, talking about the divinity of Jesus, um, is that the teachings of Jesus shift to, I have to go to Jerusalem to die, right? So after that last Sunday in Epiphany, you have Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent. And Lent is going to focus on the humanity of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus. And of course, it forces us to look at our own sinfulness, our own mortality, our bodily uh, conditions. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very interesting thing to go from such a, a kind of a joyful season looking at the the miracles and the signs of Jesus and that he is the Messiah and he is the, the Christ, he's the, you know, the, the divine one, to this idea of, of death. And, um, and so we have a season that's preparing us, in a sense, for Jesus' death and our own. Okay, so Jesus' death and our own. And it begins with, um, it begins with uh, Ash Wednesday. So let me talk first of all about the term Lent, where it comes from, 
the season of Lent in terms of, is this something that we should all do as Christians or can we all do might be a better suggestion. And then, um, and what about Ash Wednesday and should we to ash or not to ash? That's the question. All right. So let's start with, with Lent. So Lent, um, or Lenten, um, is a, an old English word that means lengthening or Lent means long. And, and the idea is, is that it is the season in which the days are being lengthened. You might even call Lent, Lenten from Old English springtime. The church adopted that word to refer to this time of preparation um, to celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord. Okay? It's a time of preparation to celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord, particularly the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday. So Easter is a is a 50-day long celebration, which is awesome. Lent is 40 days um, of preparation. And again, it's it's like um, we talked about Advent uh, during the Advent episode. You might recall that the two main times in which um, in the early church that uh, converts were baptized were on Epiphany and on Easter. And they had this 40-day days of preparation for the these uh, catechumenants, the ones that are preparing for their baptism. Um, and uh, and eventually the, the church just joined them. So doing this together. And the reason it was 40 days was because that's, that's the 40 years in the wilderness, you recall. Uh, Moses took the people, preparing them to enter the promised land. Um, basically the mortification of their sin, right? Dying off of the generation that disobeyed God. Um, you see Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, so there's this this idea of preparation. Um, and, and so the, the, this is what the church chose, 40 days. And, and this is 40 days, not including Sundays. So just to reiterate again, Sundays we every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus because he he rose again on a Sunday. And so we gather together every Sunday to commemorate his resurrection and to worship him and it's his day, the Lord's day. And and he is present with us in that. And so as he, when he was on the earth he talked about the you know bride the, the groom uh, doesn't, or the, I'm sorry, the, the, the wedding party doesn't fast as long as the bridegroom is with them, right? And, and there's this idea like, okay, on the Lord's Day, we should not fast. It's always a feast day. The Lord's Day is always a feast day. So what the church said was, okay, well, in the preparation, this, this Lenten time, this time of uh, traditionally of fasting, of almsgiving, um, we're, we're going to fast, but not on the Lord's day. That'll be a feast day. So 40 days, not including Sunday. So that brings, br- brings Lent from Ash Wednesday to, um, the, the, uh, Holy Thursday night. And we'll talk about Monday, Thursday, or Holy Thursday, um, next week. We're going to do a, an, another episode on just Holy Week, and then another, I think we're going to do it a week on Holy Week, and then we'll do a, a whole episode on Easter. Um, 
but anyways, that period of time from Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday is is considered Lent, and it's a time of you know, preparation, of fasting, of of almsgiving, that type of stuff. And the idea of fasting isn't isn't just it, it's it's the idea of of practicing self control um, by giving up something in your life uh, for a period of time, a, a good thing for a period of time, um, to remember uh, the suffering of Jesus and our own death, and to deal with our own flesh. Right. So we. It's it's one of these things that um, a lot of people growing up in a church that has had Lenten traditions, and I'm talking more specifically about uh, people growing up in the Roman Catholic Church, is that often Lent wasn't done very well. It was done as like, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give up chocolate for a while. You know, it wasn't really a big sacrifice, it, and it and it really was the, the idea was just to give up something, and it. But the ultimate thing is, is is this idea of practicing self-control and becoming aware of our flesh and our need to, for the mortification of our sin. So so this becomes a priority for these 40 days. Now, let, let me just tell you uh, Ron Young's opinion on this. Okay? Ron Young's opinion on, on it is this. It is really helpful for me and I think can be very helpful for lots of people to have a time of year where you're forced to think about this, where you're forced to have habits in your routine for a period of time that force you to think about your own death, to, to force you to think about your own sin and the struggles that you have with it, the, to, to have a season, a, a period of time where you really are wrestling with your, the sin in your life and how to, to mortify it and um, pointing continually to the one, Jesus, who took on our sin and, and won the battle. He was with temptation. He was tempted in all ways that we were, and he overcome, came. He remained perfect. We did not. And, and by his death, our sin has been placed on him and his righteousness has been given to us. And, and, and sanctification, which is this process of mortifying our sin, um, is, is, is done in a way um, where we're simply living into who we already are as one of God's children, one of his elect. So... Um, so this is this is the idea, right? So, and and we do this from time to. Th- I mean, let's let's be honest. Your if your church is really following scripture and preaching, your pastor is preaching from the scriptures. It is impossible to not talk about these things throughout the year. I get, I get that, but we typically orient ourselves towards things that are pleasing. Just to be frank. And that, and that there's, that also happens within church services. Okay. One of the things that I have noticed in, in my time, I'm, so I'm 56, 56 years old. Um, this, this past, um, you know, Christmas time, um, one of my roommates from college passed away 
Um, he had ALS. He struggled with it for several years, and 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 he succumbed uh, to to the um, to ALS, and uh, just very sad. Um, good man, great Christian guy. I, I like I said, we were college roommates, and um, you know, and before that, my other college roommate, um, healthy guy, you know, died from a COVID complication, got a clot in his lung, and was dead. Dave Riggs and um, professor at uh, Indiana Wesleyan, just a great man, good good man of God, and and these things happen. I'm, and so I'm 56, and I'm looking at you know, it, you don't think about dying at 56, but when your friends are dying, it, it happens. So we, we live in a society that's so keen to, to avoid suffering and, um, and to not talk about suffering unless it's viewed as just tra- tragic rather than a, a part of life. You know, you know for instance, if, if we lived a few hundred years ago Death happened all the time. Where did people die? Well, they died in their homes. Um, people died a lot. People died in ch- childbirth. Yeah, I think of you know, you know, uh, biographies of of various saints and um, people of God, and how you know they were one of eleven children, and nine of them died in child, you know, well in, during childhood, or you know, how many the number one cause of death for women was uh, giving birth to to children and, and it just happened a lot. And, um, I, th- I think of pain, right. And how, how often people live with pain. And yet in our day, because of the medications we have, how y- you don't think about that as much until you have pain that you're living with. I think of going to hospitals and never hearing groaning or crying or just people screaming out, except for maybe in the, um, uh, in the delivery area. Um, because they're crying out during childbirth and, and that is, although that's sad, it's also, we know what's happening and it's, they're giving life and it, and I guess that screaming and that pain is acceptable, but people dying, um, is, is not, and we, we just try to cover it, but, um, and, and so we avoid it. And so I remember as a kid, when we sang hymns all the time, how many hymns talk about our death? or that we're going to die or we, we, it, it's a pre- singing uh, Sunday mornings is preparing us to die. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, I think how great thou art is probably the only song that we continue to sing the time, you know, and when we die, you know, um, or, uh, you know, we sing, uh, it is well with our soul. Um, and that, and, and our, our music pastor gave a little bit of, about the history of it and the tragedy of the this guy's daughters dying in a, in a boat accident. Um, but generally we don't, we don't talk about our death and, um, you know, we, we, um, and we need to, um, so, but we don't want to do it all the time. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to do it all the time, but to be able to have a season of the year that in a sense, forces us as a culture. And again, Altine Institute, we're talking about Christian culture, right? It, it, it's, it's one thing to talk about things in a personal, private manner, but, but to, to be able to, as a, as a culture, as a church culture, to be able to have a time in which we're talking about the humanity of Jesus and that he suffered the things, thing, same things we did. He was tempted in all ways that we were. He suffered, he died, like he went through these things 
And, um, and, and so we have a high priest in Jesus that can sympathize with our weakness. It's, it's an amazing thing. And it ought to be talked about more, but when, you know, if, if you're just, if you don't follow a church calendar, you know, the liturgical calendar, um, you know, then everything's kind of arbitrary and it's going to be up to the whims, it seems, of, a, of the pastor. But the calendar, having a virtuous calendar that points us to these times in which this is something we should all focus on is great, which brings me to Ash Wednesday. Okay. Ash Wednesday in, in Green Bay. So this happened not too long ago. And Green Bay is a is a very Catholic community. So it, it was un, it would be unusual if you were around town on an Ash Wednesday in the afternoons to not see people with an ash cross on their forehead. And um and so let me talk about it in terms of both the personal aspect of it. Um, and when it might be great to do that and maybe not, but then also talk about it in a cultural uh, aspect. Okay. So the idea of Ash Wednesday to start off the season of Lent is to remind ourselves that we were once dust and ash and we will return to it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? That's what you were and that's what you will become. And that's a sobering, sobering idea. And to put those ashes on one's forehead to remember that we are but dust is a, is a good thing, right? Um, you know, Psalm 90 uh, teaches us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. How often do we do that? How often do we do that um, going through our day-to-day life? It's, it's a good thing, I think, personally, to have a day in which you are forced to, to reckon with your mortality, that I am going to die and I'm going to meet my maker and my body's going to be dust, and within a generation or two, no one's going to remember me, right? Think of that. You know, I can remember my grandparents. I can remember my great-grandfather, but I didn't know my great-grandmother. I don't know anything about them except for just that, you know, great grandpa came over from, from Europe to America. Like that's it. I don't know him. My, my grandparents, you know, uh, at my, my grandmother's uh, memorial service, uh, that people came up and started talking about her playing piano at, uh, at a ports of call ministry, uh, during world war two and how she was just the, the, the light of the party and everyone, all these men came out who remembered her. Um, she and my, uh, grandfather had, had helped out, um, in this ministry to, to soldiers coming back. My, my grandfather, just to back up, my grandfather was, a um, uh, an executive with the Del Monte corporation, which did a lot of canned foods. And he was not allowed to join the military to go fight in world war II because he was too considered too vital in his role with this food company. Um, so he did not, but he and his, um, you know, so my grandpa and grandma did a lot of ministry with soldiers and sailors as they came, um, back to the United States or, you know, at the, at, at the port, um, in Alameda, California. And, um, and, and it was, it was interesting because these stories were new to my dad. It's like, my dad was looking at me like, who is, who are they talking about? Like, you know, th- this, and then it, it was this interesting realization to me that probably 10 years after that memorial service, that there probably wasn't another person on the planet alive who knew my grandma in that way. 
because they'd all be dead by then. And and just like that, um, there it won't be long before no one on the planet will remember her. And and that's the same fate you and I have. No one on the planet will remember us. It just over in time. In time, ashes. Um, from ashes we came, and the ashes will go. And so this forces us to think about our own mortality and what we're doing with this life and what's really important. And when we think how we're living our life, it seems that our sinful desires have too much place in our life and our desire to be with God and to love him and to obey him and to long for him and to be with him for eternity um, that, that, that's where our priorities need to be. So from a personal level, it's just, it's just great. So when, when should, uh, should, uh, should we ash or not? Well, from a personal level, I don't think it's necessary to do it. I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to do it, but it does, it's not a necessary thing to, to have ashes imposed. Um, I, I, I do think if you're coming out of a background where, this was just a cultural thing that, that, I don't know, it was trite or showy or you feel like it can be some sort of idolatry in your life, then, then don't do it. No one says you have to. You don't have to. Um, but you can, I, I guess is what I'm saying. And so I would say in terms of desiring to have ashes imposed on you or not, I, I'd say that there's this personal part and in, in go, is this, is this personally meaningful? Is this personally going to help? And if, and if you, and if it is, then do it. If you think that it's, you're used to you doing it just to jump through a hoop so other people can see your righteousness or something like that, then don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. From a cultural perspective, I think we should, more churches should do it. Um, because it, it becomes a, an amazing one sobering thing and a, um, and a hopeful thing when you see a lot of people with ashes on their forehead who remembered to go to church to 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 re- in the middle of the day to receive these ashes in the, in in response to this this um this time of year okay so again the the what what i'm saying from and from my perspective and from my i guess theological background um, again, in Reformed Christianity, is God didn't tell us you had to do this. Um, scripture does say that you can call fasts and that we should do that. And so if your church calls for a fast and you you have the, you can participate and you can have ashes imposed on you, um, I think the only church tradition that really goes against that might be the Anabaptist tradition. They would probably never do that. Um but I, I think from from my perspective, it's it's permissible and can be very good. And I think culturally, I think would be would be amazing. So let, let's talk about this in, in terms of of calling a fast. Okay. Is it permissible for a church to call a fast? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is permissible to for the purposes of prayer, for the purposes of repentance, it's it's great. To hold a 40-day fast, that seems kind of interesting. That seems kind of good. I think, from a from again from my theological perspective, I think it's permissible 
as long as the ch- we're not binding the consciousness of people to do this thing that is not um, commanded in Scripture to do. Okay, so I'm going to back it up a little bit and talk about the sausage affair. So in the in the medieval church, um, you you had all these feasts and fasts and other things that have been layered upon layered and eventually became mandatory and then eventually became considered um, sin if you didn't do what the church told you to do. Um, and uh, and the reward was time off purgatory or you know other such non-biblical you know, things. And the Reformation really was trying to get rid of all this, this unbiblical st- stuff, okay? So... There was a reformer um, in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, uh, named um, Zwingli. And um, Luther had written his Bible in German, and which was a big thing. And Zwingli, another uh, reformer um, in Switzerland, there was wanted to get the New Testament written, translated from the original languages into Swiss German, which I guess was a little different from Luther's. And, um, and so he was busy getting that ready and he wanted the printers to get it printed to be distributed by Easter. And so these printers said, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have to eat meat, to have the strength to work this hard to get this all prepared and ready for Easter. And so Zwingli looking at scriptures could not see a justification for binding the consciousness of these men to hold this Lent, this fast, this fasting uh, from meat. Um, and so he, on the first Sunday of Lent, he came over to the printer's place and blessed sausages, and the printers all ate of them. Zwingli did not, because Zwingli said, Zwingli's ideas is that it is permissible for individuals to decide if they're going to participate in the, in the fast in Lent or to have a holy Lent or not. These men who were printers did not decide to do that, and so he blessed the sausage and gave it to them. But Zwingli himself had decided to keep a Holy Lent that year, and he was going to do it, not because the church told him he had to, but because that's what he has chosen to do, um, and and that the um, that the the uh, individuals who were doing the printing they had that that decision uh, to make as well, um, and so that became known as the sausage affair. Well. The, when Rome heard about it, they sent people to condemn him, and the the city council said, "Well, let's let's have a trial, let's have a debate here, and and see." And um, but the the requirement was is that you you had to prove that what Zwingli did was sin only through scripture. You you had to prove your point only using scripture, not from church councils or discreet decrees or papal bulls or encyclicals only through scripture. And of course the, the papal representatives were not able to do that. And Zwingli could do that like as to see why. So th- this became kind of I, I, the 
the reformers real view on this, right? So it is not proper for us to bind the conscious of our members in things that aren't expressly commanded by scripture. It is permissible for people, for, for a church to call for a fast. It is permissible for people to choose to fast. It is permissible, right? But we can't make up a season and bind the consciousness of our congregants, our members, to, to hold this, you know, saying that it's sin if you, don't, if you don't do this. We can't do that. But it is permissible to, to choose to. Okay, so, so what am I suggesting here from my Palatine Institute, this whole idea of a virtuous calendar? and, and I, I think it, it is a fine thing to hold a Lent. I think it is, a, is an amazing opportunity for the church to, to talk about the humanity of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, and the hum, in our own humanity and that we're going to die and our need for Jesus, big time. And to have a, a specific time where we can wrestle with our flesh and and seek to to mortify our flesh, um, our sin, and um, and and having a season in which that happens yearly is is a good thing. I I'm not saying that we we have to have you know these specific. This is what you're doing in terms of your fast, and this is what you have to do, and you know that type of thing. And you don't you don't have to have an Ash Wednesday service, or go to an Ash Wednesday service, or have ashes imposed. But I think it's a good thing to do that, and it should be permissible to do that. That's where I'm getting at. Um, and and I think it, it would be helpful. So how how do we how can we do that? You know, suppose we go to a church that doesn't do anything with Lent or do anything with fasts, or or you know, Ash Wednesday, that type of thing. What you can do is you can you can uh, look up resources and and determine like, well, how can we do this, right? How can we, um, Psalm ninety, you know, how can we, uh, how Lord teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom? Um, just sp- spend time um, reading uh, some of these uh, uncomfortable passages of. Right, focusing on the temptations of Jesus, the um, temptation temptation passages, um, suffering. You know, read Job. You know, those types of things. Do this as a family. Um, do this as an individual. Um, do do an Ash. You know, Wednesday. Um, you could do that in your own home. Um, you, you you know to teach your children to to number your days. The teacher children, like, we're going to die. We're going to suffer. This is part of life. This is part of life in a sinful um, and fallen world. And thanks be to God through Jesus, um, we, there'll be a time where there'll be no more suffering or tears, right? So this, this is so it's not a bad idea uh, to start a, a tradition. So just, just one other thing that just is kind of cool if you didn't know this. On Palm Sunday... Um, which is the uh, last Sunday in Lent. Um, it's the Sunday before Holy Thursday and, you know, Good Friday uh, and e- Easter Sunday is the next Sunday. Palm Sunday, remember, the you know, they're waving the palm branches, et cetera. And in tradition is that uh, a lot of churches will give out palm branches. Um, our Presbyterian church does that we hand out palm branches to the kids or what have you 
the the tradition in in the um, I think it's just in the Catholic Church. It might be in other churches. Is that they would take the palm fronds and then they would make on Palm Sunday, and afterwards they'd make them into crosses and they'd hold on to them. You know, they might pin up the cross someplace in their home so they remember it. And then before Ash Wednesday, they would return those crosses made out of the palm fronds from Palm Sunday before, just before Ash Wednesday. And then those palm fronds are burned and the ashes from those palm fronds are what is used for imposing the ashes. That's pretty cool. That's something you could do in your own home as well. Um, uh, but but anyway, just a just a interesting. If you didn't know that, it's it's kind of cool. I, I kind of like those kinds of things. It's I, you don't have to do that, obviously, but it's kind of a it's kind of a neat tradition. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna um, bow out here, but um, yeah. So if um, yeah, if you have questions more about this, because I, I would say this is one of the more controversial topics for whatever reason. Um, there are a lot of uh, people, especially those, it seems, that have grown up in the Catholic Church and have, but then came to a, a, a faith in Christ apart from the Catholic Church who just, they look at things with suspicion that if the Catholic Church did it, and, and one of the most controversial ones, I think, is Ash Wednesday. It just, it just irks them. And, and, and it might be you. Just, and and the, all, everything that I just said, you're thinking this, this, this sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> if you have questions about it, just, um, you know, info at palatineinstitute.org. Uh, uh, ask your questions. Um, you, you know, yell at me, whatever you want, and um, we'll try to answer some of those questions, get back to you. Um, you know, and, and again, hear me, I, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm saying that in our Christian liberty, we can do it. I think it's a good thing to do. It's permissible, but there's also, if, if this is your background where this was a bunch of, oh, you felt the weight of guilt for how you had a fast or not, um, in your Christian freedom, don't, don't participate. I, it, that's all I'm saying. Anyhow, um, have a great day, and um, you'll hear from me um, next week. Bye.